0: If you brought your Bible, go please to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 14 and verse 5. This morning we conclude our sermon series on taming lions and I want to share with you this morning about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday and it is the celebration 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the Passover celebration, the Israelites celebrated Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, they commemorated the day when God gave Israel the law of Moses. He gave them the Ten Commandments, and it was on the first day of Pentecost that Moses came down that mountain and brought the law to Israel. That day, 3,000 people died as Moses came down and found that nation who had turned to idol worship and began to serve a golden calf. But the Bible says that several hundred years later, 50 days after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, on the celebration of Pentecost, something new was given. And this time, it wasn't Moses coming down from a mountain with Ten Commandments, but this time, the Spirit of God came and gave life to the church. And on that day, 3,000 people were born. The Bible says that the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so I want to share with you about the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I want to use this as a subject, this simple prayer, Holy Spirit, fall on me. How many of you have that as your prayer this morning? The word of the Lord says in Judges chapter 14 and verse 5, Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring toward him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. So that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hands. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint this congregation that as they hear the word, faith would rise up in their hearts. That they might prayer this prayer together that the Holy Spirit would fall afresh on each one who desires this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. The book of Judges is found in your Bible in between the book of Joshua, which relates to us the story of the conquest of the Promised Land, and the book of 1 Samuel, which introduces us to the age of the kings. And in between those two eras the era of Joshua and the era of David, there is a period of about 350 years in which Israel had no king. They had no ruler. Instead, they had regional judges that God would raise up from time to time to deliver them from their trouble. If you read the book of Judges, you will find that there is a cycle that plays itself out in this book. Uh, The scholars have called it the cycle of history. Others call it the cycle of apostasy. Basically, it is a rut that the nation of Israel got into, and it is a cycle that plays itself out even to this day. And the cycle played out pretty much like this. They started out serving the Lord. They would prosper. Their prosperity would lead them to forget God. They would forget God, and so they would rebel against God. They would fall into wickedness. And then the Lord would allow a pagan enemy or a foreign power to come in and devastate them. The result being that they now became captives to that foreign power, at which time they would begin to call upon the Lord. They would begin to repent and seek God. And so God would send them a deliverer. And then that deliverer would come and deliver them from the hand of their enemy. And there would be a time of faith and repentance, a time of submission to God again, and there would be prosperity again. And that cycle played itself out seven times in the book of Judges. Seven times the nation of Israel served the Lord, and seven times they turned away, and seven times God rescued them. And this cycle plays itself out. In the last of the seven cycles, we find that God raises up a man whose name was Samson. In fact, the Lord chose Samson long before he was even born. Prior to even being conceived, Samson was declared to be a servant of the Most High God. And then upon birth, he was committed to the purpose of God and he was dedicated as a Nazarite to God. The life of Samson would be one that was marked by the glorious and powerful victories that any man could hope for in their spiritual life. But Samson would also be a, a, a dichotomy in a sense because you would see in Samson the great highs and the, and the great victories. But also you would see in Samson the great lows. You would see in Samson the low of spiritual decline and compromise. And I think this morning this is fitting for us because the church in America is much like Samson. The church in America has come to know God in in great and victorious ways, but it has also come to know compromise, and it has also come to know defeat in many ways. And so this morning as we think about this this story of Samson, we're really not talking about an ancient ruler of Israel, but we're talking about our own lives and our own need for God, our own need for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. When Samson was a young man, we began to see the first work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Because in Judges chapter 13 and verse 25, it says that the Spirit of God began to stir Samson. And this begins to kind of reveal to us the way that the Holy Spirit works. The Spirit of God began to stir upon Samson, kind of like a gentle breeze stirs a pond or a body of water. Just a little ripple effect over the top. It wasn't a hurricane, it wasn't a storm, it wasn't a blast, it wasn't a big move. It was just a stirring. And this is how the Holy Spirit works in all of our lives. When God is preparing a man or a woman to come into faith, He begins with the stirring of their heart, the stirring of their soul. The Bible calls it a wooing, a, a drawing in of our hearts to God. Maybe this morning you can remember the days when you began to be called ...and stirred by the Spirit of God. You weren't going to church. You weren't reading your Bible. You weren't singing hymns. You weren't praying prayers. You weren't going to Bible study. But something on the inside of you began to stir... ...letting you know that there was something more... ...that God had intended for your life. That there was something more that God wanted to do through you. And maybe this morning you are here... ...and you're feeling the stirring of the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, friend, this is no small thing... ...for this is the actual activity of God... Upon the soul of man. It is God's choice and God's wondrous work upon us when He sets His affection upon you and He begins to draw you to Himself. This is how He does it. In Hosea chapter 11 and verse 4, the scripture says that He led us with cords and the bonds of love, and that He has become to them, and He has lifted up their yoke from them and from their jaw, and He has set before them. A table. You notice how the Spirit of God draws. He draws with bonds of love, with the cords of affection. Here in the South Texas, we know well. The cowboy and the lasso, right? You guys know all about the lasso. And you know that when that cowboy begins to spin that lasso and they have a calf in mind, that that lasso will go and and take hold of that calf and will draw it to the cowboy. So it is that the Holy Spirit has a lasso. It is a lasso of love and compassion that he wraps himself into the life of man. he wraps himself around the heart of man and begins to draw you to God. He begins to draw you to the purpose of God in your life. And friend, you know, the spirit of God begins to work on you as a child or as a young person. You see a little boy, a little girl saying, I want to go to Bible school. I want to go to children's church. I want to go to the house of God. And can I just encourage you, parents, when you see the breeze of the Spirit blowing upon that child, don't discourage that breeze. Don't discourage that work of the Spirit, but place them where they can be in touch with God, where they can be used by God. Maybe some feel that breeze and they sense the stirring of the Spirit, but they they shush it away. They say, not now, not not right now. And, and then they come into young adulthood or teenage years. And and maybe you're a teenager this morning and you are sensing the wooing of the spirit. You sense that God is, has called you to something, that there is a purpose, a, a divine agenda upon your life. And and, and maybe that young man or that young lady rebels against that and says, no, I don't have time for that in my life. I really don't have time for God right now. And they put off that stirring of the Spirit and so they become a man or a woman, they become mature, they have a family and now they hear again that gentle whisper, that calling of the Spirit but they don't have as much time anymore and now they, they're too busy and they're too set in their ways and they say, no, I don't have time for God. Until maybe they are old and aged and sitting in a nursing home. And and even there, the Spirit of God will come and stir the heart of man and say, Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. But friend, can I tell you, when the Spirit calls, you need to come. Because you don't know how many more calls you're going to get. You don't know how many more times the Spirit is going to wrap the lasso of God's affection and love around you. Letting you know that you belong to Him that he's drawing you to himself now why does he do this well the scripture says he does this to draw us to the father for jesus said no one can come to the father except the except he be drawn except the, the one who sent me draw him you see you can't come to god except by the stirring of the spirit of god except by the wooing of the spirit When he draws you, he's not drawing you just to draw you, but he's drawing you into relationship with God. He's drawing you into fellowship. With the Father, I don't know if there's anyone in here that knows what I'm talking about this morning, but you know what it's like to be drawn by the Spirit of God. And this morning you're walking in the sweet fellowship with the Father because you answered that call. Can I tell you this morning, the Spirit is still calling. The Spirit is still drawing men and women and He's drawing them to God. The Holy Spirit doesn't call you to Buddha. He doesn't call you to Krishna. He doesn't call you to Muhammad, He calls you to Jesus that you might have a relationship. relationship. Relationship with the Father and be saved and be made all that God has designed for you to be. Not only does the Holy Spirit draw you to God, but he also draws you away from sin. He draws you away from trouble. You see, the scripture says in Job chapter 36 and verse 16, He is wooing you from the jaws of distress. Listen, this is what the Spirit does. When he draws you to God, he's drawing you away from the the cliff of distress. He's drawing you away from the trouble that awaits the sinner who rejects God. He's drawing you to a spacious place. A place that is free from restriction. A place where there is a comfortable table laden with choice food. God said to Job as he says to you, look, I'm drawing you away from despair. I'm drawing you away from sin. And I'm drawing you away from error that you might know my table. That you might know the uh, the, the plenitude of my blessing and my provision for you. But then the writer of Job adds this verse. And he says, after hearing the wooing of God, he says, you heard him, you were called by him, but you were filled with judgment. Your your mind was filled with judgments, with arguments against God, with arguments against God's purpose and plan for your life, with arguments against the reason for your need of a Savior. And friends, so long as you raise up those arguments against God, you can't receive what the Spirit of God is giving But today, if you hear his voice, that gentle voice of the spirit saying to you, come, come to Jesus, come and be saved, come and be changed, come and be renewed. If you will answer that voice, he will come and take over your life and he will transform your life and he will make you a new man and a new woman in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen this morning? So the spirit of God begins to stir Samson, begins to draw him to himself begins to draw him to the place of purpose and usefulness in god then in the next chapter chapter 14 we see the text which we have read that this time the spirit of god comes upon samson now samson has given his attention to god he's given his heart to god and and now he has been uh, giving his focus to that drawing of the spirit And the Spirit of God comes upon him in this moment. You know that Samson is the person in the Bible who has the most references to the Spirit of God coming upon a man. That is remarkable to me. Because this man would be the last guy I would think about that would get that many mentions. But over and over we hear the Spirit of God came upon Samson. Well, on this occasion, Samson was coming home and he was attacked by a young man. Lion. Now, I've never been attacked by any lion, but I kind of imagine that being attacked by a young lion would be particularly dangerous. And so Samson was attacked by a young lion that came rushing out at him from, uh, from the forest, from the, from the wood. And as that lion came rushing out at him, the scripture says that Samson, the Spirit of God fell upon Samson. The Spirit of God came upon that man with such power, such authority, that it changed his nature. It changed who he was. You see, many people believe that Samson was a big, tough guy with a whole lot of muscle and a whole lot of strength. But really, I think the inference of the Scripture is that Samson was just a regular guy who, when the Spirit of God came upon him, became a mighty man. And at this moment, the Spirit of God comes Upon Samson. The Spirit of God fell on him. In fact, the Bible uses a word that implies that the Spirit of God rushed upon Samson. There was a quick move of the Spirit of God upon his life. It's the same word that is used in the book of Acts, chapter 2, when it says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that when the Spirit of God came upon the church, it came like a mighty rushing wind. It came with a power that came from heaven, a power that was able to change the very nature of man. And a woman, and make them a new creature. Can I tell you, friend, that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, He adds super to your natural, and now you have the supernatural. And how many of you need a little super on your natural? Come on, I've said you need a little super on your natural. You see, because the natural man can only do so much. The natural man can only uh, can only solve so many problems. The natural man can only go so far. But when God sends his spirit upon a man, God will take that natural man and put super on it. He'll put power on it, and he'll make that not enough become enough. He'll make that shortfall become a a surplus. He'll make that weakness become strength. He'll make that poverty become riches, and he'll make that blindness turn to sight. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the power of the spirit of God upon a life so we need to pray this morning holy spirit fall on me i need the supernatural power of god upon my life when that spirit of, of god came upon samson the first thing that happened was that he received supernatural boldness he received courage from god you know when you are attacked by lions you're going to need courage And I know some of you right now are surrounded by some lions. You're surrounded by some trouble in your life. There might be some giants that are provoking your spirit. Can I tell you? You're going to need courage. You're going to need boldness. And that boldness can be found in the Word of God and in the power of the Spirit. Listen, some people, when they need courage, they go get some liquid courage, right? They go and find a bottle somewhere. But let me tell you, there is courage that you can have. There is boldness that you can have to face the darkest moments of your life. And that is when the supernatural power of the Spirit comes upon you when you come to face a lion but you have the spirit of God you can face that lion and win that battle when you face your Goliath you can win and not lose courage why because the spirit of God brings boldness into your life you know some some of you need supernatural boldness You need the the boldness of the spirit so that you can answer the devil that's tracking you down this morning. And so that you can turn around and put a stop to the enemy's tactics and strategy over your life. Some of you need boldness just to talk to your children. Oh, I, 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 heard, I have heard how some like to just coddle rebellious teenagers, but it takes some boldness to say, look, this is as far as this is going to go. We're going to have godliness in this life. We're going to have godliness in this house. Come on, somebody. If you need boldness, if you need courage, you've got to pray, Holy Spirit, fall on me. I need courage to face the fight that I'm in. Not only did Samson receive supernatural courage, but he received supernatural strength. He received a strength that was beyond his own. Can I tell you, friend, that all of us need supernatural strength. When the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, He will strengthen your prayers. He will strengthen your praise. He will strengthen your giving. He will strengthen your fasting. He will make you strong in order to stand the winds and the test of time. And when you and I have the strength of God upon our life, we can face those enemies that come against us. Look at the strength that came upon Samson. The Bible said that when that lion attacked him, all Samson had was his bare hands. And with his bare hands, he tore that lion apart. It says like someone would tear apart a kid goat. Now, maybe you don't know what that reference really is about, but if you've ever eaten a roasted uh, goat or cabrito. Anybody in here ever had a cabrito? When you when when that thing is, has been cooked right, that the meat just falls right off the bone. Now maybe you don't understand that you never had cabrito, but you've had some some uh, some ribs, uh, some pork ribs where the meat just falls off the bone. That's what that's what happened to Samson. The moment the Spirit of God came upon him, that lion was like cooked ribs, it just came right apart in his hands. Can I tell you there's some problems in your life there are some knots that you can't undo but when the spirit of God comes upon you he'll just undo them right in your hands he'll turn that thing to nothing somebody ought to give God praise because there's a miracle in your future when the spirit of God comes upon you that thing that seemed so difficult so challenging so unnerving when the spirit of God comes upon you it just comes apart in his hands Victory is given into his hands by the presence of the Spirit of God. Say with me this morning, Holy Spirit, fall on me. Now Samson sees the Spirit of God working in his life. But you see, Samson had a problem. He couldn't, he couldn't stick to the covenant that he had made with God. And Samson's problem is the same problem that so many have in the church today. It is a problem with compromise. You see, Samson was told that he couldn't do three things. He could not touch a dead body. He could not eat or he could not drink the fruit of the vine. And he could not cut his hair. Well, after he killed this lion, he left that carcass there. He came back sometime later and he saw that some honeybees had built a a hive inside of the carcass of that lion and they had some delicious honey in there. And so he went and he tasted some of that honey. This was forbidden. He was not allowed to touch that lion. And he was not allowed to eat that honey, but, but he ate it anyway, and he touched that carcass anyway, and he went home and he even shared it with his family, with his, with his parents. And Samson must have thought, well, nothing happened. I didn't lose any strength. I'm still the same man I was yesterday. I guess God really wasn't that serious about this covenant that I have with him. Well, sometimes late, sometime later, he was invited to a party. And at that party, a traditional party of his day, there would have been wine. And so Samson uh, partook of that wine. And now he leaves that party and says, well, nothing happened. I, I thought that if I did that, maybe a lightning would strike. Or as or, uh, some people say, if I go to church, the church will fall down. And, you know, all these superstitious things, Samson said, nothing happened. I'm still the same man. You see, Samson was mistaking God's patience for permission. And he was thinking that because he was getting away with it, that God wasn't noticing or that God didn't care. Can I just remind you this morning that God does care and God does notice. Don't mistake his patience with you for permission to sin, for permission to live an ungodly lifestyle. Friend, when God is patient with you, the only response is to turn to him and run to him and to be forgiven and to be changed and to be renewed. Samson violated two of the three parts of the covenant. Finally, he found himself a, a woman named Delilah. And Delilah was a sweet talker. So Delilah was the kind of woman that was a, a listener. And, and Samson would lay his head on her lap and just talk to her. And she would just listen. You know, uh, some people think that the issue with Delilah was that they were having a wild sex affair. No, really, it was just that Samson found somebody who would listen to him. Somebody that would, that would pay attention to him. And, and when he found that, this woman had a scheme. Her scheme was to find out what is the secret of his strength. What is the secret of this power that is on his life. Finally, Samson disclosed that secret. He said, well, if you, if you cut my hair, I will lose my strength. Well, she lulled Samson off to a nice little nap. And while he was sleeping, they cut off his hair. And the Bible said that the Philistines came upon him. His enemies came upon him just like they had so many times before. And this time, Samson got up. And he did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. He did not know that he was alone. Oh, friend, there is no place in this world like getting up to fight a giant and being alone, being powerless, being unable to resist the enemy. Can I tell you, friend, you need the Holy Spirit because when the enemy comes upon you, you don't ever want to stand alone. That is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you orphaned, but I'm going to send you a comforter, a helper, someone to come alongside of you and help you. Samson stood up, and he was alone, and he didn't know that he was alone. And here began the great downfall of this man of God. This man who once had torn a lion to pieces. This man who had once carried the city gates upon his back. This man who had once killed 1,000 enemies with the jawbone of a donkey was now a slave to the Philistine army. He was bound. They gouged out his eyes. And he was placed to work in a mill. This man who was a judge of Israel was now doing a slave's work. You might think. Look at that and you might see the end of Samson's story. You might see the end of sense of Samson's account. You might see the end the terrible end of a hero's life. And so it was. But that's not the end of the story. That's not how it ends for Samson and that doesn't have to be how it ends for you this morning. You might say, "Pastor, I feel like Samson. I feel like I have lost my strength." I feel like I have been bound by the enemy. I feel like my discernment has left me and I can't see anymore. I feel like I'm just going in circles, treading water, unable to make any progress. Can I tell you, friend, that's not where you have to end. You can have this morning a breakthrough by the power of the Spirit in your life. Holy Spirit, fall on me. Well, Samson was there in his destitute situation. At the bottom rung of life, having fallen all the way to the ground, he had hit rock bottom. But the Bible says this beautiful little word I love in the Bible. It says, but. Samson was bound, and he was blind, and he was working in a slave's job. But. Can you say that word with me this morning? But. You know why that's my favorite word in the Bible? Because it changes the direction of a sentence. Samson was defeated, but this was not the end for Samson. You know, the Bible talks about so many times when Israel was defeated, but maybe this morning you feel defeated you feel discouraged can i tell you there is a conjunction god wants to put on that sentence and say you might be broke but i will provide you might be discouraged but i will encourage you might be sick but i will heal come on somebody you might be lost but today he wants to save your soul so you can sing the words of the old hymn i once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, but Samson's hair began to grow again. You see, the enemy had taken his hair, but they had not taken his roots. And because he had roots, his hair started to grow back. Anybody have roots in here? Let me just tell you, if the devil's knocked you down, don't worry about it. If you have some roots, you'll get right back up. I said, if you have some roots, you'll get right back up. You see, Hurricane Harvey came and blasted over some palm trees, and they bent over real far. But when the storm was past, they got right back up. And I tell you, don't worry about it. Let the winds howl and blow. If you have a root in God, you're going to stand the test. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, if Samson's enemy had been smart, they would have kept his hair cut. But they let his hair grow back. You see, that was a mistake the devil made with you. He let your hair grow back. He let you get some hope again. He had you down and discouraged, but he didn't take you down. And now you're back. Now you're fighting back. Now you have some strength in your life. You've got to tell the devil like I do sometimes. Devil, you should have killed me when you had the chance. Because now I'm standing. Now I have the grace of God on my life. You're too late. You showed up too late. Samson's hair began to grow back. And that that was a subtle picture that the Holy Spirit, who inspired the text, lets us know that Samson's life, his inner life, his spiritual life was beginning to be restored. You see, because the spirit that had stirred him and the spirit that had fallen upon him was not done with him. There was still a work of God that needed to be done. And in that low state, Samson found himself being renewed. It was unperceptible. It wasn't real obvious. You couldn't really tell what was happening. But God was at work. I said God was at work. You see, some people, they get discouraged with you because they don't see the progress they want to see. You tell them, you just wait. You just wait. God is at work. That man of God, the scripture says that they took him to a feast so they could mock him and laugh at him and say, Look, the champion of Israel has been defeated. And while he was there, he asked the little boy, Think about this. This great, mighty man, Samson, was being led by a little boy. He says, Son, put me between the two columns that hold up this temple. He stood between those two columns, his hands against those columns, and he prayed the prayer. I'm encouraging you to pray this morning. He prayed for the Spirit of God to fall on him again. And this was his words. He said, Lord, one more time. One more time will you fall upon my life. One more time will you use me. And and this morning I want to challenge you to go before God and say, God, I've seen you do it once. I've seen you do it twice. God, I've got to have you do it one more time. You've got to show up in my life one more time. Move on me one more time. Breathe on me one more time. That That prayer of that man of God. He wasn't maybe worth it. He wasn't even worthy. But he had faith toward God. And God answered him and gave him the victory over the Philistines. Can I tell you this morning? God is still hearing the prayers of the church that will say Lord one more time pour out your grace upon this nation one more time revive our land one more time bring healing to America God one more time stir your heart your, the heart of our church and the heart of our city and the heart of our country toward God and friend, I believe this morning that this is a prayer that God will not leave unanswered. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, fall on me. Holy Spirit, would you fall on Kingsway Church? Would you fall on Beeville? Would you fall on America and turn our hearts again toward the living God and toward the power of God? If there are lions in your life, you need the power of the Spirit. You can't do it alone. But good news, you don't have to do it alone. The Spirit of God has been sent to you by Jesus Himself to help you. And this morning, if you will lift your heart in faith to Him, He'll meet you at the point of your need and bring change and transformation. your life. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to make two altar calls this morning. First of all, I want to call anybody this morning that would say, Pastor Isaac, I sense that the Spirit of God is stirring me. I know God He's trying to get my attention. And I've been running from him. I've been putting him off. I've been saying, not now. Not today. Or maybe like Samson, you have hit rock bottom. And you say, Pastor Isaac, I need God to restore my life. I need God to save me from what I'm in and the trouble I'm in. For you see, friend, the trouble that all of us are in is sin. And there's no power in you to overcome sin. Only the Spirit of God in you can do that. Only the blood of Christ can do that. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make Christ your Savior. If you say, I know God is stirring me, I know I'm not here by accident, but I haven't taken that step of commitment to Christ, this morning I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So if you would, just bow your heads, everyone in this room. If you're a believer, just begin to pray with me for a few moments. Father, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who doesn't know you as their Savior, who's not made that decision to follow Christ. I pray this morning that you would convict them of sin and of wrath and of judgment. I pray that the the cords of God's affection would surround them this morning, that they might know how much God loves them and how urgently he calls them. And I ask you, Father, to do this in Jesus' name this morning. If there's anybody here now that would say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to answer the call, the stirring of the Spirit upon my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you are. Take this opportunity. I see you right there. Anybody else that would say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life. I want to make Christ Lord of my life. Right where you are, just raise your hand if that's you. I see you there. Anybody else? All right, now I'm going to ask you, this might take a little courage, but I'm going to ask you to come to this altar, please. I want to pray with you if you raised your hand. Maybe a friend of yours came with you to church. Just bring them with you if if you don't want to come alone. But would you come? Would you make this public step and just say yes to Christ. I'll wait for you. Elders, would you come please? Hallelujah. Come on up, guys. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Today's a day of decision. Elders, would you come please? and just pray with these who've come forward. We're going to pray with you this morning. And we're going to believe that God's going to begin that transformation in your life. Just come all around the front of them and just lead them in prayer individually, please. Here's the second invitation. Everyone in this room that says, Holy Spirit, follow me this morning. Come on up here. Come to this altar. and Just put yourself in a position and a place for the Spirit of God to do what needs doing in your life. Come on, if you're hungry and thirsty for the Spirit of God this morning, don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't put it off. It's a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, follow me. Follow my life. Give strength to my prayers. Give strength to my giving. Give strength to my sanctification. Holy Spirit, we receive you this morning. We receive you by faith this morning. We receive that power that comes from on high. In the name of Jesus. We receive that precious promise. Kingsway. receive the Spirit of God this morning. For he has said to you, I will not leave you orphaned. But I have sent the Holy Spirit to you. That you might receive power.